The Hale-Bopp Comet, while first discovered in 1995, was also named the Great Comet of 1997. It was one of the first modern solar system bodies that was also a celebrity in and of itself. It even has its place in several record books. It holds the record for the length of time a comet was visible from Earth to the naked eye, doubling the previous record set nearly two full centuries earlier. Its brightness was also unparalleled, holding the record for the farthest distance from Earth while still being visible. It was, quite simply, a modern marvel in an era when society was insatiably greedy for modern marvels. Astronomer Carolyn Sumners called Hale-Bopp the storybook comet. Fellow astronomer Tom Burns called it the biggest, baddest comet we've seen in a long time, adding that when looking at it, quote, we're seeing the beginnings of ourselves. Amazingly, another group of comets took orbit in 1997, their solar system being the newly formed Women's National Basketball Association. In many ways, it was just as bright, just as storybook, just as big and bad as the Great Comet of 1997. It took to the skies at full force. It made itself undeniably visible. It commanded itself to be known. The Houston Comets were themselves a modern marvel, a rare phenomenon, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And just like many short-period comets in history, they left our sight all at once, leaving us here to herald their legacy. The legacy of the WNBA's first and potentially greatest dynasty. This is the story of the Houston Comets. This is W History. And welcome to the debut episode of W History, a WNBA Nation program where we chronicle some of the most influential stories in the history of the WNBA and women's basketball. We've put a lot of time and effort into this. We hope you enjoy it. It's been fun for us so far. I am Steve. I'm here with Logan and Kyle. Logan and Kyle, hello. What's up, dude? I'm so I've been looking forward to this. I, I I can't even oh, explain to our listeners how long and how pumped I have been. Like <laughs> I've been so freaking stoked about this for I, so long. I I am amped for what we're I about like, to do. I can't feel my fingers. I've been so nervous to record this. <laughs> Steve's like been shaking, like I, as we've been I don't, like I don't in pre-record. Be like a He's horn like <laughs> tutor or whatever, but like I've been researching this so heavily for the last like two weeks. More than that, in a way. Like every single day when like I could be watching the mass singer and getting caught up like <laughs> I I've been d- down here at this forsaken desk researching this and I've enjoyed it. But the whole time I'm putting this together, like, is this something like <laughs> what if I do this? And they're just like, that's it. Like, come on. And I just it's one of those weird. What? It'd be like if I spent months and months and months like painting something. And I'm, I'm just about the, to show uh, it to you. I'm picturing the the claymation scene. Exactly, from Parks and Rec. Requiem for a Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> like with my claymation. How could it not be longer? <laughs> <laughs> I emailed Leslie and told her it was better than Avatar. And how could it not be longer? <laughs> that's 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 a, a a line that Jenny and I weirdly quote. It doesn't. It's never even relevant to any situation because we never do claymation. But the moment where he's like, Ben, I think there's something seriously wrong. And he looks at him with the most sincere eyes and says, with my claymation. <laughs> well, 
just so uh just so WNB Nation listeners know, this has been going on in our team chat. We've known this is gonna be happening for a while. Uh but Kyle and I have both uh avoided the temptation to do research on our own <laughs> so that we sound intelligent and like knowledgeable. Oh, man. <laughs> so it's all up to Steve. And to be <laughs> fair, we know a we know a little about this just because we followed the WNBA, right? Like because we covered the WNBA. That being said, what we're going to be covering happened well before any of the four of us were into the league. And so this has been something that like, yeah, yeah we could have definitely done some research, but I we're, I, yeah. I mean, I remember a bulk of this when it was happening. Yeah, like um, I remember it, but I don't Yeah. I wasn't like paying attention. But it would definitely yeah. yeah. I, yeah I do not. I mean, I know yeah. how it ends. I'm, I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. I know how it ends, but I really don't. I don't yeah. remember it as This <laughs> is, to me, it was so peculiar. So just to give a brief rundown of things, W History is an opportunity for us to chronicle uh, stories in the history of WNBA or women's basketball. We may hit college. Who knows? There may be other leagues we'll talk about. I, You know, there's a lot of things that we can make do with. Uh, that said, we'll uh, we'll be picking a narrative. We may do it in one-part episodes. We may do it in a couple-part episodes. You guys are lucky. This is a three-parter. We're kicking things off with a trilogy. Uh, oh, we're going. And, we're going deep. <laughs> and <laughs> when we were, I was looking at you know first topics to do. This was definitely the one that I thought was one of the most intriguing things ever. So I, I don't know. If there's really thing anything else we could say except to jump into this. So uh, friends, do you guys want to talk about the Houston Comets? Yes, yes, of course I do. Okay, so we so let's talk comments. Um, I, I want to start things off with a little bit of pseudo trivia. So first and foremost, off the top of your brain, how many major U.S. sports teams have won four or more consecutive championships? Consecutive? Consecutive. Uh, four in a row. Uh, shoot me. Both of you shoot me a number. Two, two, three, ah, one. I'll, if if we, yeah, I'll give three. Kyle two. I'll say one. Okay, so I'm gonna say are, I'm gonna say three. You guys are you guys are being even more uh, intense than I thought. There are five. Oh, whoa. oh wow, that's and actually this is, this is actually much on. less than you would think. Yeah, just to be really fast, <laughs> I want you to name like let's see if, let's see if you guys can so, name three of them. Oh, I I should have thought I'd more about uh, the title the Celtics, team, old, old basketball. The Celtics, I forgot about yeah. old basketball. Yeah, the Celtics, the Celtics obviously. I, albeit that was back before basketball was kind of really a sport. Like right. when Bill back Russell before. was the tallest player by like four feet. <laughs> um, back, back, that's, I refer to that as back when people farmed in the offseason. Yeah. <laughs> like all the players are like part time players, full time accountants. Like so. Right, right, right. And then didn't the Yankees do it? The Yankees have done it twice, and I hate admitting that, but they did it okay. in the 30s and the okay. 40s. Also, also in sports before free agency, pre, so doesn't count. Pre war <laughs> era, but they both they both did it twice. Yeah, so so the Yankees and Celtics. One more. Ooh, uh, not including who we're about to talk about. Not including our title team. No. Um, I'll give you both one more guess. This is just for fun. What what sport is it? Yeah, can you give us a sport? you know what yes but i'm gonna all right I'll i was go thinking maybe yeah okay both of both of them are hockey teams oh hockey's uh, the only the, sport where this is two teams uh, 
The Rangers. That's incorrect, Logan. Not the Blackhawks, because they won a bunch in a couple years, but they weren't in a row. Yeah, they won three out of five, but not in a row. Uh, Who's got Avalanche? Uh, All of those incorrect. So we're going to hit this in a second. (laughs) Wow. Now, I don't know. Five teams have done this. How many teams in the last 35 years specifically? So we've gone back about a century. In the last 35 years, how many teams have one thing we're concerned about? That's where I've been thinking like two. Yeah. Okay. The answer to that is the Houston Comets. There's been one team in the last 35 years. Now, if you go back 40 years, uh, you'll also run into the New York Islanders. So the Montreal Canadiens really have, have won four in a row. The Montreal Canadiens oh, the, the, the Canadians did the it when there was Stanley only like, s- weren't there only when like eight, six teams? teams right? They won a, they won a lot during the original six era and they, the original six. they yeah. have, I want to say 23 cups. They have the record for the most cups. They haven't been highly relevant in a while. I mean, they have yeah. Connor McDavid and he's great, but it's been a while. Uh, the New York Islanders ha- from 80 to 83 had an unreal team uh, in the pre Gretzky. Like Gretzky showed up right around that time and the Oilers won three out of four or four to five. Sorry. So like the 80s was this weird, like the Islanders then turned to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, so there was that. But if you go back 35 years, the only team to win four consecutive championships uh, is the is the Houston Comets of the WNBA. To make things more interesting, uh, you have to go back. I want to say I don't want to be wrong. Um, I want to say 2016, 17 is the last time that a team has has gone back to back. That was the Penguins. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of the last time a team has won three championships in a row, and I want to say it was the 2000 to 2002 Lakers. Um, the, the Yankees see. are in there somewhere, right? They won from 97, 98 to 2000. Yeah. And then they lost in 2001. Yeah. So this is, but this gives you an idea of the level of, of rarity. Yeah. Um, like it's in any sport, it's difficult upper, to go upper, back upper to back. Mm-hmm. Like we're, in any sport, it's difficult to go back to back. In fact, sh- should we just apologize now to the Bills yeah. fan that's listening? That's like, yeah. already <laughs> like, why, why did you say the number four? Um, no, really? Like, I think it, it, this, this to me, just to kick things off. And I know that I'm sort of burying like, spoiling one of the greater stories of this program but i mean you guys would know by now if you're listening to an episode of the comments um like the rarity of going back to back is difficult it's been like almost 20 years since the nfl has had one period mm-hmm. right um going a three-peat is generally known as like the, okay now you're a dynasty to win four in a row is one of the most unprecedented uh, means and stories that you can consider now factor a team that builds a roster that can win four championships in a row. And within the next eight years, they're disbanded. Oh, geez. That's the story we're talking about with the Houston comments. This is one of the most uh, meteoric rises and falls to me in sports history. And the stories to me, really back it up. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Oh, I, I have, missed it. I'm going to be hitting so much like comet related vernacular, like terminology yes. is going to be in titles and everything. So pumped. Wayne's, yeah, like there's going to be a lot of stuff here. Be like, oh, this will be fun. It's it's not necessarily written into here, but there's going to be a lot of stuff that you're like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because that's the interesting thing. It, you know, listeners have heard this in the intro, but I mean, they in they they kick things off the first the year of the Hellbop comet, the Great Comet of 1997, which is its name, the Hellbop mm-hmm. comet, and. This kicked off the same as the Houston Comets. So you can't avoid the vernacular. Okay, we're going to get, by the way, in Space City, 
in the land of, you know, NASA, the Johnson Space Center. Right. Uh, which is also, you know, it's why the rockets are named the rockets. But yeah, you're not going to avoid that. So we're going to be hitting that pretty heavily for sure. Have you noticed how many team names are space themed? Like in the WNBA specifically? Like oh, right now, right now? Like Mercury, the Sun, and this the Comets. You could argue the Storm even. It's you the, the, the big theme. Or in atmospherical, yes. The big theme is just up. <laughs> it's just yeah, names yeah. that are up. There's the sky. Even, even things yeah. like Mystics and Dream feel like they're going up. Yeah. yeah. My favorite thing about, one of my favorite things about the WNBA is I was, you know, when I really was getting into it, was they have more in like intrinsic level names, like yes. theoretical level names that work rather than just like, like an animal. I never like thought the, naming the team, like the, the dream. Yeah. I never thought yeah, naming like, a team, the dream would work, but it works. Like the Orlando magic is one of my favorite NBA names for that reason. It's because most yeah. are like the Bobcats, the Hornets. The yeah. Bulldogs. Like, yeah. And so to be able to like take that on, but there's like so many, like the mystics, like who would have thought, um, we'll yeah. be hitting some other some other great names um, of of various teams, uh, you know, as we as we kick things off further into this. But yeah, I think it's that makes things interesting. I do want to say one stars. quick thing. On this, though. I forgot about the stars. Yeah, there's a <laughs> Sorry. lot. Sorry, I'm going to keep coming there's back to like random stuff. <laughs> a whole lot. Yeah. The, the, my other thing about Atlanta, though, I do have to say really quick. I know that we're not talking about Atlanta here. I, this hit me after you know we're as we're recording this. This was just after the 2020 the virtual draft. And so Kennedy Carter was drafted by the dream. And there was a, a video that showed up on Twitter of coach Nikki Collin, uh, like talking to Kennedy for the first time on the phone. And I just realized how perfect, like of a scenario it is. Like I get it that in the draft, you're not necessarily recruiting. What a great scenario it is that when you have a player drafted, you get to get on the phone and say, welcome to the dream. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like perfect. The only thing better is that when Jimmy Johnson was uh, head coach of the Cowboys, when he would call a draft pick, he'd say, would you like to put a star on your helmet? Like, like those are great lines. Welcome to the dream. <laughs> anyway, guys, we're going to kick things off. We're going to head all the way back to 1996. And this is pre uh, at least re-election Clinton. He was president in 1992. But yeah, just to give you an idea of the world we were living in at the time. In 1996, April 24th, 1996, NBA Commissioner David Stern announced the sponsorship of an eight-team women's league to kick off in the summer of 1997. And I am pleased to announce that the Board of Governors approves the concept of the NBA establishing the Women's National Basketball Association. Host cities were yet to be chosen, but each team would fall under an NBA franchise which at the time was a really strong advantage over the ABL, the American Basketball League, which was another women's league that was set to kick off in 1997 as well. And at the time had had verbal commitments from a lot of elite level players already. So the WNBA was coming in a little later in that game. There were a handful of elite players that were already off the table, but something that was really strong with them is they were actually taking NBA franchises that were going to help really co-sponsor this thing. So immediately there was intrigue. Immediately you had David Stern sitting up and saying this is something they're heavily invested in. They're excited about it. They're going to put investment into it. And it rolled on from there. At the time, we don't know where these teams are going to be. We don't even know who the commissioner is, but there was definitely a lot of buzz coming around it. Now, uh, as I had said at the time of the announcement, uh, the new league, which um, 
was called the WNBA at the time as a working title only. At the time, they actually hmm. didn't have an initial name. So they were just so they calling it the Women's like NBA League, women's and then it NBA. stuck. Yeah. Um, it okay. wasn't after a few months before they just decided, you know what? This works. We're going to run with it. Uh, and so that's that to me was interesting. Like at the time they just said it's a new league. We're kind of calling it the Women's National Basketball because <laughs> it's an NBA sponsored league for women. But for now, uh, that's what we're going to call it. And then it ended up I wonder sticking. if that means somewhere in, in the conference room, there's a guy like the WNBA. That's a mouthful. We'll come back around. <laughs> they're yeah, just like all right working make, title make a working note, title table this just call summer. it like the WNBA, and we'll 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 think <laughs> we'll figure it out we'll get to it that's literally how the cleveland browns got their name it has to be <laughs> like the owner who i think i think i forget his name but like the owner was like not jim brown but the owner's name is brown and he was just like just call him the browns for now we'll figure out a name by the way it's and, also how every uh, middle and high school get their name when they end up being the bulldogs or the wildcats because anytime there's wildcats like because they give the the kids like an option to vote and then they all vote for like South Park. And then it's like, all right, we're just gonna be the Wildcats. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's just like Kyle's mom or like something. It's like, no, we can't. We'll just, we'll just be free. like that should be that should be a way to like force people into making an actual vote or an actual suggestion. Is like, you know what, guys, if you're going to keep coming at me with crap like this, we're going to name we're gonna them be the, the Wildcats. Wildcats. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe take it seriously. Um. Yeah, I have a lot of stories about that with a high school that was went up near the one that I went to high school. But that's a huge derailment. Anyway, that team very nearly became the Mosquitoes. Um, oh, dear. Yeah, that's Ooh. a different story for a different day. But <laughs> there was a there was a bunch of cases in that city of West Nile virus one year. And so a bunch of people suggest the Mosquitoes. Oh, my God. So, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. People the suck, Walker man. Middle School Ebola. It's going to be the... <laughs> It was legitimately the Stansberry Skeeters. Like it was on, it was oh on the table. Gosh. Okay, I'd be, I, I actually would probably be down with the Skeeters. All right, that's yeah, because we're all Doug fans, yeah. and and we're all fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's 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 you know it's to bring it back on subject. Houston, the Sugarland Skeeters are a our minor league baseball team in the Houston area. Roger oh, Clemens pitched for them post retirement a couple times. We what? we let minor Huge league baseball stuff. get away with whatever they want to though. That's yeah, absolutely. You, can, you legitimately, yeah, there are no rules, and that's the best part about it. So at the time of the announcement, um, the new leagues didn't have any players at the time under contract. Stern did note that they were in high level preliminary discussions with several elite level players who currently weren't signed to a U.S. professional league or any professional league of any kind. They didn't give names, uh, but there were definitely some speculation that we'll we'll jump into from there. Something he also did note that was really uh, telling in this case is obviously a very common practice when you bring in a new league. We're going to have an ex- like an expansion or like an inaugural draft. We're going to get all these players. You're going to get a chance to pick them. He did note that there are going to be cases. Uh, they wanted to actually kick off selection by specifically signing players to a roster. And the reason for that is they wanted to be cognizant of regional fan bases. So if you have a player who grew up in the Southern California area, they may end up in a Los Angeles team. If it's someone from back East, they might be on a New York team. If it's someone from Texas, they might end up on a team that ends up in Texas, so to speak. Foreshadowing. Uh, So that was something that stood really tall is they actually wanted to be very cognizant of that. And they also wanted to find a way to evenly distribute talent amongst the rosters. Uh, He didn't give any more details outside of that, said it would be forthcoming by the end of the year. Now, this quickly came into play on September the 11th, 1996, a former NCAA champion and Olympic gold medalist announced her intention to forego her European contract to pursue a basketball career in the United States. Now, not guaranteed Mm. 
to a market and yet to commit with the ABL or the WNBA, this Texas Tech grad and Brownfield, Texas native would be considered a great fit should there be a market opening up in Dallas, Houston, or San Antonio, and obviously expressed interest in that should it happen. And this became Kyle, even... Uh, I'm, uh-huh. I'm picking up on some context clues. I feel like this is going to be a big deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you picking up and, some of these hints? And, and would you know, the speculation would uh would be pretty short-lived because it wasn't until october the 24th so just a month later (laughs) uh newly appointed wnba commissioner val ackerman announced uh the first signees and joining uconn alumnus rebecca lobo as the first two signees to the wnba is texas tech alumnus cheryl swoops checked by the mile walker swoops goes back Here comes Cheryl, weaving through traffic, through three players, four, all the way in, dishes off to Coop for the bucket. Come on, Cheryl, Cheryl hustle down. Rosati's waiting for it, gets it to Swoops, down low, Valdemoro, puts up a hook shot, he scores! It's a triple-double for Swoops, the first ever in the history of the WNBA. Okay, that's what I was like, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. I I thought it'd be fun to do a build-up, right? Yeah, so, no, that's perfect. So, so Lobo so, Swoops are the first players in. Um, at the time, uh, Lisa Leslie had yet to be officially signed, but at the time they were, once that was official, they were the big three. I mean, if you go and look at initial WNBA announcements, especially when like the markets were announced, what cities were announced, they were mm-hmm. everywhere. I mean, those were the faces well, you saw make, all over the place. That makes sense because like, like Leslie's from California, Lobo's from, I think, Massachusetts, I want to say. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's from... Uh, she, I think, like, born and raised a little bit in Connecticut and then went to school in Massachusetts and then obviously went to Yukon. So, like, okay, the yeah. New England-y area. Yeah. yeah, okay, perfect. Which is, yeah, like, the New York area. Okay, and then, yeah, least, then yeah. swoops swoops down in, in Texas. See, yeah. I never put that together. How did I never put that together that that's where they were from? Because and you're used to what I'm used to, those- which is, hey, this is new league, let's draft players. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, it was... What, it was. It sounds like it should be a little unethical, but in my head, I go, no, that makes sense. Put them where people are going to want to watch. Like if you did that today, and you put a team, it's no in wonder Portland, the Utah Stars struggled. Imagine well, if, like, imagine if you have, imagine if you have Sabrina Ionescu available, and you know you're putting a team in Portland, and you say, well, we're going to send her to another, city, you know, wherever she's she going to Memphis. Address. Or yeah. if I could put her like <laughs> yeah. in Portland, where I know people are going to go and watch her play, to me that right. makes a lot of sense. It, it makes sense for a, a, a league starting out, but I f- I feel like Cleveland still had to be like, oh come on, yeah, Cleveland, like, Utah, anybody, uh, this like a lot of those the initial the initial markets, be yeah. Olympic gold medalists, no, this and come back here. <laughs> believe me, we're about to hit into the downfalls of of this decision, but also at the same time, like. It makes sense in a lot of ways, especially oh, for, for sure. large markets. Like they hit right, their right. large at the time. You're looking at the first, second, and fourth markets. This, I'll say this: this is the most David Sternest idea, hundred percent, just ever, one hundred percent. Short of like, them coming if, out on stilts, like juggling fire sticks. David, like, David, what if Cleveland is bad? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, like who even knows this one? So Cleveland has a team now. <laughs> this uh, this obviously drew a lot of attention from a lot of people, and one person that specifically took note of it was Houston Rockets owner Les Alexander. Now, owner of the Houston Rockets, also owner of 
possibly my favorite name team ever. N- maybe not for sure, but up there. Also owner of the Arena Football League, Texas Terror. Oh, oh sweet. <laughs> yeah. I'm so <laughs> glad we got, you know what? I, All in I, for the Terror. I was hoping not, that, that we got Texas play. Terror drops in the middle of a, an yeah. episode about the Comets. Yeah, that name, I think, <laughs> looks not play. Play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2020, we're not naming a team the terror, but no, we're we I'm down the with Redskins, the da- but hey, yeah. I'm down. <laughs> point made, point made, point made. I'm, I'm down with the name in 1996, though. The Texas Terror. It's, just, it's a solid name and it's it's the perfect arena football name. But like an easy change to the Texas Terriers when when 2001 happens. So I'm can, <laughs> when, mm, yeah. When dogs on Instagram become much more popular. Yeah. Right. That just reminds me that the first 16 one upset was the Retrievers and that just. It's always going to make me happy. Yes. <laughs> Dogs, <laughs> those ang- man. Those angry, adorable puppies. Um, so Les Alexander, owner of the Rockets and the Texas Terror, notified WNB officials of his intentions for a team in Houston. Many believe this interest was rooted out of a chance to be in on a cutting edge new league that could pull in a young audience, as well as further his case for a new sports arena and thus moving his team out of the Houston summit which would later be known as the Compact Center, and which would later later be known as the Lakewood Church Central Campus, also known as the Church of Joel Osteen. Wow. Ooh, so the former home wow. of the Rockets is where Joel Osteen... This, we, are, we are not far into this history, and I'm already... We, I like, am, there are turns I could yeah, not have seen yeah. coming. <laughs> now, I am... Do you guys know, I lived in Houston for a couple of years, Yes, and I would see the Lakewood Church off of the freeway all the time. Like, driving down the highway, or like, or like down the the Beltway Eight, like you would see it mm-hmm. right off the highway. It's right there, huge. It's Lakewood Church, big sign. It's like the big one of the bigger buildings in the area. It's just off of downtown. I lived there. I went. I had no idea professional basketball was played there. Now, if you look inside <laughs> of the Lakewood Church, if you see pictures, you're like, Makes I sense. get the idea that basketball wouldn't play there. Like, like uh, we live in Utah. We're near like the 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 Latter-day Saint Conference Center building in Salt Lake City, right outside of the Salt Lake City Temple. That's a huge, huge building, right? It's a big, big auditorium. Right. And I remember when it was originally built and know that it was always used for that purpose. But if you would have told me, like I'm standing in there and someone said, oh, by the way, like people used to play like volleyball in here. I'm like, I get it. Like, <laughs> I see. And like, yeah. so when I heard it for the first time, I was like, okay, that makes sense. But I'm reading through this and it's so funny to me that like home of the Rockets and Comets, also home of Joel Osteen. Like, it's just... How how great is it that attending church there means you're literally being preached to in the house that Rebecca Lobo built? Like... Well, Cheryl Swoops built. Uh, or Cheryl Swoops built. Like, yeah, like Carol, the, Carol, Carol, yeah. The... Like, I always kind of see arenas and baseball diamonds and things of that nature as, like, holy places anyway, because I'm a big nerd, and I know you guys yeah. are too about sports. But, like, for it to literally be like, you know what? We're going to go all in. That's the most Texas thing. This is the David Sternest and most Texas story ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and trust me when I say that it's like we're scratching the surface with that. It gets <laughs> so much better. Um, so as I'd said, at the time we hadn't revealed which cities. This changed on October the 30th, 1996. At a press conference, Val Ackerman revealed the eight inaugural WNBA franchises to be located in Cleveland, Ohio. Charlotte, North Carolina, Los Angeles, New York City, Phoenix, Arizona, Sacramento, California, Salt Lake City, Utah, and Houston, Texas. So Les Alexander gets what he wants. Cheryl Swoops potentially gets what she wants. It's all but official. I mean, who knows if anything could change. 
Um, really quick, we kind of hit this. You made Cleveland talk. What are you guys kind of original, like initial thoughts on those host cities, like the lineup? It makes sense. What that intrigues you when you hear to, that? Well, it makes sense that that you're tied to, um, like basketball, like like already established NBA teams. Other than that, it's a huge range. It's some of your smallest. <laughs> it's your smallest markets and your biggest <laughs> yeah. markets. That's my my initial thought is again they're presenting this to you know some board of directors in a conference room at some point. And they're like, we want to tie it to. NBA teams for all of these reasons. And they're yeah. like, that's a great mm-hmm. idea. Which ones did you have in mind? And they're like, LA. And they're like, obviously, yes. New York. Charlotte. Like, what? Yeah. Utah. <laughs> Stop. Cleveland. Like, what? Charlotte, Salt Lake, and Cleveland. I'm just I, Sacramento. I knew <laughs> those three. I knew just toast. there was a professional basketball team in Sacramento. And when I still saw Sacramento, I went, huh. I just, <laughs> it was interesting to me. Now, the reason why like it makes nobody, sense because nobody at that table said yeah. Boston. Here's the thing. Like, yeah, nobody, the, re- the reason yeah, behind it makes Miami. sense. They're very obvious. You guys are missing like the biggest one. How's Chicago not have a WMA team? Uh, right? Like they do now. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, the th- they're the number three market. Yeah. The reasoning for it is actually, I think, makes a lot of sense. Now, there were 16 franchises that expressed interest in a WNBA team. They had thought about giving a franchise to all teams. Then they decided to pair it down to 12. And finally, they decided they'd to pare it down to eight. And a part of that was they did have expansion in mind. And the idea being, if we incorporate our three largest markets, LA, New York city, and Chicago, we kind of get the allure of all those out of the way right away. Whereas if we can wait until it's time to expand and incorporate a larger market with an expansion, Mm. it adds clout to those expansions, which is really interesting because Chicago actually wasn't a part of any of the original expansions. It was several years down the line before they ended up getting a franchise. I think a lot of things played a role in that. But when you look at some of the teams, you know, we'll talk about it in future episodes. When you look at what teams uh, kicked off their expansion and when, it sort of makes sense. They almost would pair a larger market with a smaller market. And the idea was let's let's have something that adds intrigue, and then let's let's stick to another one that you know hopefully it gets some get some gusto but it may not and i so right. I, that actually did make business sense to me but it was really interesting looking through this and it just hit me all at once like cleveland but not chicago like huh i'm i'm really because now i'd have to look this up but i feel like chicago weren't they one of the more recent like yes. as far as like brand new not not teams that have like transferred places obviously yeah. Like obviously, like Las Vegas is really new because they, but they originally were Utah, right? One of the original eight. Um, mm-hmm. But sh- isn't Chicago like kind of new? Like I, w- I want to say like mid two thousands or Chicago, uh, shy of the Atlanta Dream. They're the second most recent expansion team. When, uh, so when? do you know what it they, was? They, gotta, they, it yeah, they were found in two thousand six. The Dream came out of the scene two thousand eight. Okay. So it was crazy uh, that they went almost 10 years without adding Chicago. Yeah, Yeah, Hmm. it really was like um, interesting that I took that long. And I think there's a lot of factors about it. In fact, that might be an episode, not even about the sky, but just like the not Chicago years. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be a lot of research about researching a team that doesn't exist. But, you know, love a challenge. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that no really is intriguing on top of that. But I think, you know, a lot of that makes sense. But you know what happens in a lot of cases, the NWSL when they kicked off and to this day, currently, as we record this, doesn't have a team in the state of California. They are opening up a team in the state of California next season in Sacramento. So they still aren't going to have a team in Los Angeles. 
Uh, and and I, a part of it might have been the Los Angeles hadn't had interest, but another part of it is say, hey, when we expand, we kind of have a market we can snag can, LA, yeah. bite their you know sink their teeth a little bit into. So you know, in some cases it makes sense, but it definitely is telling. Now, as we said, Houston ends up winning the uh, Texas market that was looking for WMEA team, and owner Les Alexander was absolutely thrilled. His response was, "quote I'm excited about this. I love basketball." I love it at all different levels of the game. I always like to see the best in any sport. And in this case, with the WNBA, we're looking to bring in the very best women in the world to compete. I think Houston will eventually embrace the league. And I'd like to get to the day when sports fans of Houston look forward to the opening of the WNBA season with the same kind of enthusiasm that they got for the for the NBA and the Rockets today. Now, we kind of know how that spelled out. But as you go through the history of the team... The the prophecy in a weird way, and, and you'll learn this in future episodes. It does fulfill itself, and then it doesn't later. It's a really interesting, um, it's really interesting story about how it went from like he he pretty much checked all those boxes and then like unchecked them because sports is weird. That's yeah, that was never <laughs> part of the plan. the The whole idea was uh, for it to be permanent, um, because. <laughs> I imagine they were looking at the NBA expanding at the same time period, thinking like, like this is the most prosperous, you know, thing that's yeah. ever happened to sports it's, owners. It was, it's basically the McDonald's fries of a sports franchise. Like when you first eat <laughs> McDonald's fries, like fresh out of the bag, delicious. And then if you leave them and come back to them, you're like, are these crayons? Like it's, uh, and I'm not by the way calling the comments crayons. Obviously that was, Maybe that was a bad analysis, but uh, Les Alexander's <laughs> immediate response. Now, with his goal of having a team in Houston in place, Alexander made his next move extremely clear. Quote, Texans should be in Texas. I want Cheryl Swoops in Houston. Okay. Next quote. Is that not a money Texas quote? That's I, such a Texas Texans quote. should a, be in Texas. You know, he's you know, he's where he's driving just a big old long like yeah. vehicle with horns on the front and like, <laughs> if, just a giant you, cowboy Steve, you, hat. You were right earlier when I said the Joel Osteen thing was the most Texas thing I'd ever heard. And you said we are scratching the surface. I didn't know <laughs> if I believed you. <laughs> and now I get it. I um, if I was running for mayor of like a small Texas town and I found out that my opponent like happened to be born in like Missouri, that would be my slogan. Texans <laughs> should be in Texas. Texans should yeah. run Texas. Like here's Dude. the thing, like being a quote native Texan is the highest honor to anyone in Texas. Look for truth. <laughs> if you're born in a Texas hospital, you are given a 17 by 11 birth certificate that you can frame. What? That in red letters at the very top, I've seen these say native Texan at the top. This is amazing oh my information. word. Yeah. And by the way, I might be off by the sizing, but it is bigger than like an eight and a half by 11. If and we the have idea is another it's not child, meant to like be fired away. It's flying, meant to be framed. We're flying to Texas. Yeah. By the way, just this, to have I, the baby. <laughs> I, I don't know if everyone knows this, but it's not like a regional thing either. Like if I'm from Oregon, if you're from Washington and we meet up in Utah and you're like, oh, we're from the, the Northwest. That's cool. Like that's a cool connection for me mm. to make. If you're in Texas and someone's like, oh, I'm basically from Texas. I'm from Oklahoma. Yeah. The worst no, thing you can no. say to a Texan, <laughs> you. the yeah. worst thing you'd say to a Texan is that they're from the South. Um, <laughs> right. I've had that with right. people that are like, oh, but that's kind of the same thing. It's like, no, it is not. We're not Southerners. We're Texans. Like, that's a common line you're hearing. Te- like, a Texas pride is, is extremely real. Any, are you American? Anyone? No, sir. I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Oh man. So, so yeah, I mean, with that, I mean, Texans should be in Texas. Alexander, of course, a very headstrong saying, I want Cheryl swoops in Houston. Now, of course, Swoops reciprocates this very quickly made known her interest in playing for the Houston franchise. Of course, not her decision. This is a decision of the league. They're going to determine their side. But all signs really pointed, and it seemed like a foregone conclusion, that the Bayou City was going to land their franchise player and someone that they were going to build around. And that's what makes the next thing all the more intriguing. Uh, as this momentum goes in, you have the owner saying, this is who we want. You have the player saying, that's where I want to play. You have the league saying, we're going to try really hard to keep you in the market. It's one of those like, hey, we're going to give you an offer, but we just don't have it in writing yet type of a situation. Uh, you know, like all of that's in play, all this momentum, all this excitement, like one of those big three flagship players that you've been seeing everywhere in publicity is going to be in your city playing for your squad. Very exciting. This plan gets thrown someone into flux in January 1997. Not completely into flux. things get flown into flux. Not, not completely in negative flux and not even with a negative story. But but plans just shift a little bit when Cheryl Swoops announces in January 1997 that she is pregnant with her first child and will be sitting at a majority of the inaugural season. Oh, wow. Still intends on joining the league, still intends on playing in 1997, and definitely still intends on playing in Houston. Now, imagine you're the Houston organization. You're Les Alexander, like you're the GM, you're part of that team, and that's your news, right? It's it's, the, it's an interesting the, place the to be. The posters are already printed. The yeah. big banners that hang outside the stadium, like, already have her picture yeah. on it. Like, Yeah. Exactly. Like it's, it's not a negative, obviously not. It's a very happy moment in someone's life. Very supportive of them. That's great. We have watched this league and have watched, we've watched, you know, Dewana Bonner come back and just ball out immediately. It's, it's very possible. You know, it's, it's not like this thing that completely mixes up a career at the time when the league is new, not a lot of people have kind of a wind of that. And unfortunately, if you want to read articles about this announcement, it's I call it blind misogyny. Like a lot of these writers don't realize how sexist they're being when they're writing. Like every single article <laughs> oh, no. I read that announced this was like, here's something you'll never see in headlines. A player is pregnant. Like, <laughs> like it's just one of those. It's really <laughs> no. like, could you believe that professional women athletes have women parts? Yeah. This, like, is, this is not it, part of the deal. It really was like, like one of those. Like, I put my head down just like, oh, my goodness. Like were there copy editors back then? And. Yeah, it was really interesting. And I think in a lot of ways, it, you just have to make that decision of it's not even, oh, will she come back and play? It's so much of why we wanted this team was to have this to be branded and marketed and ready to go. And that's still there. It's still possible. But it's a little different because you're not going to be there on opening night. And it puts so much of the buildup of the comments is these highs and these lows, you know, like these perihelions and these aphelions to, to hit comment terms. Right. We're getting closer to the sun. We're getting farther from the sun. We're getting hot. We're getting cold. Right. And y'all didn't know that you're going to be minoring in astrology during this podcast, (laughs) did you? But you are. But it's that idea of like. We're going to be calculating blue shift and red shift. There are so many moments that are like, (laughs) if that happened to my team, it'd be the best thing ever. And there's so many moments that if that happened to my team, like I'd be concerned. And this Uh is just all over the place. And that continues from this point on. So obviously imagine where they're sitting right now. Believe it or not. While this adds to complications, this pays off in a very big way for Houston. 
So January 21st of 1997, the WNBA holds what they call their first draft. Really what it is, is the WNBA announces their initial player assignments. Every team, there's 16 players. Every team will get two players to kick off their squad. And then what will work moving forward is they'll have another supplemental draft, an early draft where the teams will get to draft two more players, extend their, their roster to four. They'll have the official draft where there'll be four rounds. So you'll expand your roster to eight. And then you finish off your 10 player roster with two public, uh, like local tryouts basically is, is the idea. So, so they had a structure, they build a team, but these first two picks, WNBA actually assigned these out. It was like a reverse draft. Like you don't get a pick. You just, you're like, you're going to get this team. Now, uh, the WNBA, they make their initial assignments January 21st, 97, with each team receiving two flagship players. As expected, Swoops was the first player assigned to, to Houston. Now, factoring that Swoops would have timeout due to her pregnancy and the WNBA's intention in their, their intention with their second assignment, noting they were, quote, and this is a quote from Val Ackerman, taking competitive balance into consideration. They wanted to make sure they did their best possible means to put every roster in somewhat equal footing. And so with that, and with Swoop's situation, joining Cheryl Swoops in Houston would be USC alumnus and reigning Euro Cup scoring leader, Cynthia Cooper. <laughs> like oh. it's one of those like holy crap like like where's where's the phone call yeah where less called david stern yeah and they were like now, you're gonna give me the best player of a in an interview <laughs> with executive vp of, of houston's a franchise john thomas to confirm this mindset he said, this is a direct quote, the WNBA told us we would not have had Cynthia's talents here if not for Cheryl's pregnancy, end quote. Wow. Very clear. We're so doing were they you thinking solid. Cynthia would go to L.A.? Something or, to that effect, I think. Or, or maybe or a different market. If they're, with if Leslie, they're taking with Lisa Leslie very commonly in L.A., she might have even gone yeah. to a small, you know, she, she might have been a Cleveland rocker and have been like the, the very face of that franchise. Right. Um, and, but what they did is they said, like, this is a, a case where, you know, we feel like we can distribute out the talent. We don't know what the future of Cheryl is going to be. So we're going to get a, a very high level talent there and we're going to spend that to you. Now, years later, Val Ackerman would admit that league officials, quote, blew it in their quest to put each franchise on equal footing by assigning Cooper to Houston. Well, that that's kind of a smoking gun. <laughs> legitimately. And legitimately, the quote was we didn't realize like we knew she was good. We didn't realize how good she was at the time. Like, <laughs> like she was that good. And believe me, there's USC, um, coop, t- like tape on YouTube. Look it up. I, I don't know what they overlooked. Uh, <laughs> I, I told you guys this off mic and I mean this, it's possible to say Cynthia Cooper is the swaggiest player in the history of the league. Like, and that's saying something. Cause there are some really sw- swaggy, amazing players. Diane Taurasi is a big one. She, was definitely one of those like her style of play was stardom and that's why this was really intense i mean this is saying we can't give you magic johnson so here's michael jordan like that's kind of what that felt like in the time they thought they were just kind of doing a general solid 
and here's something that kind of almost tied you over, uh, which is amazing to me. Now, like I said, they, you know, they, in retrospect, you know, years, years later said, Hey, we kind of blew it. We, we, you know, by putting this opposite footing and guys, it didn't stop there. Uh, this continues now, before we get to how this continues, I do want to say, um, the magnitude of an out of this world level of transactions would be later affirmed when the Houston franchise revealed that their women's basketball team would be named on theme with the NBA counterpart Rockets, as well as Houston's Space City moniker. And thus, the Houston Comets were born. Okay. So there's as many space puns as I can fit into his paragraph for you. <laughs> that was well written. That was now, well I wanna, written. So. And I want to say just really quick, like, we talk cities. I want to talk names now. So we'll start just with Houston. Like, your thoughts on the Houston Comets as a name. I actually like it when you tie to something that's regional. It just makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, like you already have the Rockets. Why not the Comets? Yeah, in, I just I think, it, vacuum, I think it makes sense. Uh, I if you listen to the show long enough, you know, Houston is among my most detested sports cities. But in a vacuum, the, the names of all the teams, there are great. Like, I actually like the Astros. I think the Rockets is clever. I like the Comets, obviously. Um, they, they do a good job with with their. I naming. really wish the Texans tried harder, but yeah. The, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's if a they good were the call Oilers out. still because yeah, originally they were the Oilers, which <laughs> the is, Oilers very is very regional good. and very awesome, and their mm-hmm. look was. Way yeah, but. I'm a Warren Moon <laughs> fan, so yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot. No, believe me, Logan and I recently had a really long talk about why that Oilers just as a uniform concept. It's a real shame that that doesn't exist anymore. That was. Also, a random uh, thought on the Oilers, I guess, while we're talking about it. Like, my one of my favorite, like, team slogans ever was Oilers. Love you, Blue is, like, one of my favorite, like, team slogans. <laughs> Names of a, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 gig them, hook them, love you, Blue. Like, I love, that's, that's awesome. Like, that is, those, there's, there's too many big X, whatever color, or, mm-hmm. or, or blank up, like, fins up, charge up. Blank I don't city. Know. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So that that is a very unique and cool one. Yeah, yeah I, I was always a fan of that. I guess and it's bolt up. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't think of the Chargers one. Yeah, like I've thought about a lot of like alternate names. I think the comments really stands. Now, when you go through the rest of the team monikers when it comes to the host cities, that's where it starts to get really interesting. <laughs> there's some yeah. that I love, and there's some that I go, hmm. you know, like the Cleveland Rockers. I love the name. I had a hard time with it as as like a, the name of a pro sports franchise. But it is a yeah. really good name. The Charlotte and Sting. It ties well to yeah. what they're known for. It, it yeah. sounds like more. Yeah. It, the Cleveland Rockers sounds like the dance troupe that would go out during another Cleveland yes. sporting event. That's yes. what it is. And I'm not even well, going to fault that. Like, But one of my like understated favorite of the original uniforms is the Rockers. Like I very I much. I do love those. Yeah. Yeah. No, those yeah, are great. Um, not even going to try to pretend to criticize the Charlotte Sting. That's money. That's see. I'm not even. And it, it, it makes sense because they're tied to you know they're they're tied to the Hornets. That oh, makes sense. Imagine if but it was the Bobcats say, at the time. Where, where I like the <laughs> where I like uh, the Comets a little better is it still like it's tied to the men's team that they already but it had, but it's flair. It's also like yeah. tied to what the state and city mm-hmm. is actually known for. 
not the state so much, but just that city. It's Space City, right? See, and there were only a couple other teams that kind of had their own unique feel. Like the Sparks obviously doesn't really link to the Lakers at all. And it, it, it's kind of its, its own. Right. Where it came out of doesn't make a lot of sense all over the place. Liberty um, is just awesome. The Liberty like, is its own thing and is the original of one. the intrinsic names that land really hard, right? Yeah. The, the Mercury is a great name and when you say it out loud. Now, when you study the planet Mercury, that's when you start to wonder. Um, <laughs> They're thinking, oh, it's because it's really hot. Venus is hotter. So, yeah. boom, boom. <laughs> Suck it, Mercury. Also, the Phoenix Venus, that doesn't <laughs> the land. Phoenix, yeah, the, the Phoenix, Phoenix Venus, Venus would be bad. For a women's but, basketball yeah. team is not. You know, well, you like know that their short list just had like they just had like planets listed and they were just like, <laughs> like the Phoenix moon was on the list and they were like, maybe and they just, they decided against it. Here's, and they were here's like, my thing. And you know what else happened? The last thing is that someone like they were the last team to be named and someone in the room was, I got it guys, the Phoenix stars. Damn it. Like that, like that <laughs> moment. <laughs> like, it's freaking taken. Um, the, well, the, for you all know my, the Phoenix, yeah. they were just like the Phoenix sun. Okay. What's the closest thing to the sun? Oh my gosh! Uh, I yeah. guess the planet Mercury. Okay, let's go with that. Look, the Phoenix Mercury <laughs> is a great franchise. The planet Mercury is just—it's a giant fart. I've talked about it. It's mostly just <laughs> gas and dust. It's not a great planet, but the organization, the Phoenix Mercury, definitely made it work. Three rings. Phenomenal. I mean, you're not yes. going to get on that. For all of my talk about Sacramento getting a franchise, the Sacramento Monarchs is a phenomenal name. Like, I like it even not related to the Kings. Like, I like the Monarchs is good. Related. If you made it, if you made it, <laughs> yeah. if you made it like butterfly, if it was actually about the butterfly. And not, oh, dude! If it if you had a monarch butterfly type jersey, I'm in. At least a, a, a thousand mascot. percent. Like yes. a, a hooping butterfly, like that could work. And then, of course, last on this list as we're going through it is the Utah Stars with two Z's. Yes. Oh my goodness. So for I'm those so of you to be a child of the 90s. So, so just can this is where I'm going to hop in real quick because Please. back when I was growing up in, you know, the 90s uh, in Utah, uh so the Utah Jazz which we got from New Orleans, there's nothing about jazz music that is connected at all to Utah. Um but we just kept it. The st- like other teams in the state had double Z's at the end of their name. Uh, the Salt Lake Buzz. Yeah, it was the minor were, league team, baseball team. Or the minor league baseball team. And it was two Z's. You had the Jazz that were two Z's. And so when they go with the Stars, they <laughs> Which, decide, hey, let's tie it to those teams and you, just add two Z's on them. I remember have noticed that those other words are actually spelled with two They're Z's. They're spelled with two Z's. <laughs> I remember there was a. Okay, the. The main like sports memorabilia store in Utah to this day is Fans. Fans. F A N Z Z. Yeah. That's where that's where you'd go by like sports gear. Um, I remember seeing like a joke once on the news that like the University of Utah was going to change their name to the Utes, like with two Z's. With the two and I Z's, didn't. Yeah. I didn't think it was a joke. What reason did I sense. have <laughs> to believe it was a joke? Um, like, thank goodness that like when the MLS showed up, they're just like, let's just steal Real Madrid's name because like they could. Yeah, let's let's do our own thing. That could have gone. I feel like every decade has things that like fell obviously in and out of style, but now in retrospect, we're like, oh, it's it's retro, it's cool. Yeah. Nothing about the late '90s, early 2000s will ever be cool, yeah. including <laughs> spelling things with Z at the end. Which, by the way, <laughs> while we're talking about good permanently names, dorky, um, the. Uh, Kind of like the, the the developmental RSL team is the Real Monarchs. Yes. So there you have it right there. It is. 
and Royals FC, which, by the way, if they want to pay homage to the Z era, they could have been Royals FZ, but I didn't have time to get that over to them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, that's sorry. I, that's on me. Clearly. On so me. anyway, that's where the stars. If all of you who are wondering why in the world did Utah make the stars with two Z's, it's because of the jazz, which we don't have any connection to jazz music. The and buzz, the buzz who don't exist anymore. Who don't Just exist the anymore. They're, they're the bees, but it's yeah. spelled with an S, not and, with a Z. And then the Grizzlies, <laughs> which was yeah, our, we had the, Grizz. the minor league hockey team. Yeah, yeah, the Utah Grizz is what, yeah, with two Zs. Which, I, I'm <laughs> sorry, bad. I just want to apologize. That's the only reason with the Utah Stars, and I'm sorry. I, I <laughs> the two things Houston, that Houston was like, our thing is like space. And, and Pittsburgh is like, our thing is like black and yellow. And Utah's like Z's. two Z's. We like double Z's. You know that letter people associate with sleep? Yeah, <laughs> that one. The thing the thing about it was like the two things that made Utahns think they were cool at the time was the letter Z and that Karma Malone was in a wrestling match one time. Like it those were <laughs> those are claim like, to fame. There's like, not a lot else to claim in Utah. Like Karma Malone wrestled Hulk Hogan, so that makes him like like kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it was, it was interesting. So again, this is the birth of the Houston Comets. We could officially stop calling them the Houston WNBA franchise, which is nice. Saves a lot of letters. As I said, the talent level starts to continue to pay off. Like a lot of coins keep flipping the Comets way. February of 1997, by adding more exciting talent to a dynamic duo, the WNBA held their early draft, allowing each team to add two more players. The Comets selected veteran forward Wanda Guyton, and the 1996 Olympic silver medalist from the Brazilian team, fifth top scorer in the Olympics that year, Janeth Arcane. Um, so she was top scorer for Brazil, fifth top scorer uh, for the silver medal team. So again, you get your overseas flair, or I guess your European flair, you know, or not European flair, sorry, you get your South American flair. My bad. I know geography. Uh, you get you get that flair like uh, you know out of the United States. You have someone who's a clear scorer that is an exciting, you know, spark. No pun intended. You know, for that roster. And then, guys, in April, April fifth specifically, nineteen ninety seven, the Comets' wild range of luck continues when they win the inaugural draft lottery and are revealed <laughs> to have the number pick. one pick. Oh, um, another very this David team, Stern flavored development. He's this like, team, they're already unbalanced. This team <laughs> basically dumb luck their way into one of the, the three best players of the whole thing. Probably three. One of, of the, the most transcendent players in the scores, first league. One of the yeah. probably top five best players, possibly the best non-US player. And now we're going to have the number one pick in the draft. Remember, guys, <laughs> we want to evenly distribute the talent. This is our goal. <laughs> We want to make sure everyone's on equal footing here. And none of this was premeditated. Obviously not. Because if you're David Stern, you're giving the Sparks or the Liberty these, like, these perks, right? Like, Houston's large market. But I mean, when you're talking to large markets, that's where this, you know, was totally interesting was just how things fell into it. And this is where, for me, things start to get really intriguing. Like I said, perihelions, aphelions. Like, it just... (laughs) <laughs> it gets really interesting. So leading up to April 28th, which was the college draft, the Comets next priority was to lock in a head coach and their roster of choices was insanely deep. Their top choice was Texas Tech head coach Marsha Sharp, one of the winningest women's coaches in college basketball history. 
and coach of Cheryl Swoop's 93 national championship teams. Very natural fit. While Sharp was said to seriously consider the comp's offer, she elected to decline and stay at Tech, where she would remain until her retirement in 2006. So the Comets move on with their search. With the Comets' top choice off of the list, they move on to choose between Louisiana Tech coach and all-time winning percentage holder, so not winning in games, winning percentage for men or women at the time, Len Barmore, and Vanderbilt Final Four head coach Jim Foster. After intensive visits to both candidates, the Comets moved to offer it to Barmore, who'd been outspoken about his interest in the job. Now, this would make things all the more peculiar. So he was very, like, just quotes all over newspapers. The mm-hmm. opportunity sounds amazing. I'd love to coach for this team. It gets all the more in peculiar when he also chooses to decline the offer. Really? So now, yeah. So they move, they move their interest over to Foster and, and start to coordinate now, right? You know, that offer. And as they coordinate that offer, uh, the Comets more or less unofficially declare where they're going with their number one pick because um, they essentially make their intentions to select the 1997 Naismith Player of the Year, center for the undefeated 95 UConn title team, Kara Walters. I mean, just look at the resume, right? Boom. Okay. All of it, right? Well, it's um, good that they have help in the middle because I was I was worried yeah. that they were going to have weak, weaknesses, well, that's the soft thing. points. That's the thing. <laughs> This came to play in an interview because Alexander was asked, uh, you know, what do you expect to do with this first pick? And he said, quote, we have forwards and we have a backcourt pretty well filled. We need a center badly. And hopefully there will be a great center in the draft. And then Kara Walter's name came up and basically it was kind of, like, oh, yeah, that's probably where they're going with the draft. Like it became kind of like it was unofficially the Kara sweepstakes. Right now, right. this Bruton. So so they know where they're going with their pick. They're finally settled in on a coach. On April 18th, they make their official offer to Jim Foster, which he declined. At this point, the Comets are the only NBA team without a head coach. And and at this point, Kyle and I could probably have coached them to at least the playoffs. (laughs) They have already... How do you not want to take this team? Their roster is four deep and still the the most competitive roster. I was five at the time, and I feel like I could have drawn something on a whiteboard they could have done something with. Can't land a head coach. You guys want to make it worse? This is April 18th. Nine days later, April 27th, Kara Walters announces her intention to sign with the New England Blizzard of the ABL. Oh, she went to the ABL. Guys, okay. it's April 27th. It's the day before the draft. Oh. The Comets, <laughs> at one point, were considered to have all the cards. They were going to walk into this inaugural draft with all the cards out of the momentum. They now walk into the draft without a coach and with their sure bet selection off of the table. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> and all the point, other teams in the league going <laughs> stupid comets <yeah>. thinking, <laughs> thinking they were so great we'll yeah. show them so in an off season with a myriad of highs and a myriad of lows the comets needed needed to nail this first draft pick if they want to maintain any momentum heading into the inaugural season and guys nail it they did with their selection of top five all-time USC scorer Tina Thompson. Tina Thompson was the first inaugural draft pick in 1997. The red lip wonder. Uh, Thompson, Thompson, who scored 22 points and 10 rebounds per game on 50% shooting her senior season at SC went against Alexander's expressed need for a center. She's a, she's a natural forward, right? Small forward. 
this win against the need for a center, even though USC legend Pam McGee was on the table. Okay, Pam McGee, um, longtime dominant USC center, also mother to JaVale and Imani McGee Stafford. Oh, right. Um, also available on the table center, though, at the end of the day, the organization decided they wanted to put emphasis on grabbing young talent at the time. They felt like they had experienced veteran talent in swoops and Cooper. They wanted to get their next young star. They felt like they had it in Thompson and drafting Thompson would prove to be a huge boon by both addition and by subtraction addition, of course, in drafting a six foot two dynamic score with lockdown defensive chops and subtraction by selecting the West Los Angeles native who was also both high school and college teammates with Lisa Leslie. Oh, who was assigned Dude, to an they LA were high school teammates. I knew they were both played at USC who was assigned to an LA Sparks team slotted to select third in the draft. <laughs> so if they take Walters, and let's Every, say Pam McGee, or let, yeah, let's say Pam Pamela McGee goes second, and maybe very to the Monarchs, because, because McGee probably was the that was the one two discussion at the time, because right. it was like and those then, are the bigs, yeah. And you've got Thompson that's going to go to the Sparks with. I want to live in an alternate universe where that happens. I want to see a Tom, see, I, a Tina Thompson, Lisa Leslie. I duo. like the the girls who grew up in the same area that played these girls in high school were like, oh my gosh, finally. Like, I can't stand them. Everybody who played against USC in college was like, it's about time they're not on the same team. Which, by the way, his thing is like one of the greatest Lisa Leslie legends that she scored 101 points and a half in high school. The other team forfeit the rest of the game. They wouldn't go back on the court because she scored 101 points. Tina Thompson was her teammate. Like, they just had a they just had a deal going. They're like, tell you what, like, I want to set the all time assist like, record. This is like when Alex Smith and Reggie <laughs> yeah. Bush played together in a, at a San Diego high school. Just like that's not yeah. fair. Like it was just <laughs> like, oh yeah. By the way, if your hundred and one point scorer isn't there, the soon the the at at one point WNBA all time leading scorer Tina Thompson. Yeah, our future Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Famer I've, yeah. and this, is also here. <laughs> this, this has happened. I've I've covered both men's and women's high school basketball in in my various goings on as a as a reporter as a radio person i've seen quarters end like four to two <laughs> in like high school three, yeah and and that's not even three total baskets i mean like a three-pointer and a couple free throws <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's not knocking it high school sports on any side it's just things happen yes it it's is just accurate. Yes, okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> this isn't yeah northern utah high school basketball yeah but like this is right. um <laughs> Like, yeah, and again, that, it's one of those. Insane. That is an impossible. It, it, it's a number. classic like, story of, like, you want to talk about, like, well before the 3D chess meme existed. Like, if you want to talk about that, <laughs> every single time the comments are faced with a setback, it somehow becomes, like, an even stronger <laughs> benefit for them. They need it, you know, like, oh, we got our franchise player. Oh, no, we're not going to have her for a while. It's okay. Here's another generational player. Okay. Uh, uh, crap. We just lost the person that was going to be like our, our big time player and our, and our pick for the draft. It's okay. Here's one of the best scorers in the history of the league. It's just like, what? How? Like, <laughs> like it's got to be so frustrating. Like, there's that, uh, there's that gif that like breaking bad gif. Like, they can't keep getting away with it. Like, that's how this has to feel in retrospect to a lot of teams. Like, if you're looking, well, if you're, yeah. I'm just thinking about Kara Walters, who they were talking about taking, like, she did end up playing. I know she played a couple seasons in the league. I know she played for Indiana. Mm-hmm. 
I don't. I, I I could have to Google, but I don't think that she had as dominant a time in the league, obviously, as Tina Thompson. Right? She had like, a classic, sure respectable, she, respectable career. Yeah, She's she a very a respectable st- basketball personality to this right. day. Um, is definitely on a high list of UConn greats. Right. Um, but she's not, yeah. she doesn't touch what Tina Thompson did in this league. Like not even close. Mm-hmm. Even, right. even though she did have a chance to play just a couple seasons later after the ABL folds. Yep. That's it. Just it's a, the whole thing is crazy. Oh, and by the way, the next day, the comments continue the momentum by hiring Ole Miss's Van Chancellor as their head coach. By the way, all that happened without a head coach. Oh, God. <laughs> Like, it's ridiculous. And now they have a head coach at Chesapeake. Great winner in his own right. Um, you know, turned a very bottom level Ole Miss team into a perennial title team. Um, made, I believe, four street sweet sixteens. So like it, you know, very respectable coaching time. But guys, as you said, look at the roster. Like it's yeah, yeah it's really it, you don't even uh, need a coach. This really casts a harsh light on a lot of my teams that can't seem to win with head coaches. Uh, yeah, <laughs> having having knowing where the comments go no. in terms of success, and I don't want to downplay Van Chancellor's coach. Van Chancellor eventually made it into the Hall of Fame uh, due to success at Ole Miss, obviously success in the WNBA, and went on to coach the women's U.S. national basketball team. Um, you know, had a very respectful career. Definitely had the chops for it. it was a phenomenal. There are going to be a lot of elements in the series that show the effect that that he definitely had. Like that was a part of this. But it's just amazing to me to think that this whole thing happened. Oh, by the way, here's your coach. When, by the way, and when every other if if in your head you're like, well, maybe that was the norm. They were the only team without a coach at the time. No other roster. Now the craziest part too is um, he. The reason this happened the day after was he, they gave him an offer a couple days before the draft, so they'd have a coach in time. But he didn't accept in time because he wanted to make sure he could actually go to his team and let them know in person and couldn't get a flight back to Mississippi. <laughs> oh, he was he he got the offer in Boca Raton, Florida, of all places, and small <laughs> went from small airport to small airport. It wasn't like he could get a hub level international flight. Back to so he had to go waited a few days and all this time the comments are sitting here like are we gonna have a coach? <laughs> they're waiting. They're just sitting quietly <laughs> like, like uh, it's amazing. We think he's happen. flying back. We're not sure where he's at. Yeah, trust us, oh just trust, guys. It's gonna happen. If I gotta coach the team myself, we'll do it. Um, <laughs> at the time they're like trying to talk swoops into like maybe you'll you could do it. Like you know, just like think about it. Um, <laughs> While you're pregnant, just also coach. Yeah. yeah. This is crazy. So over the next month, we're heading into May, 1997. Uh, the Comets would fill their final available roster spots. So, um, you know, they finish out the draft, which they took Tina Thompson. They also select uh, Florida Gator, Tammy Jackson, uh, who would be a Comet for several years, Louisiana Tech's Raquel Spurlock and Italian forward Katarina Polini. Uh, who also played for the University of Texas. So that fills their draft spots. They have two more roster spots, uh, which they fill in May when they sign Pietro Gay and Patty Joe Hedges Ward. Uh, sorry, actually, it turns out there were there were three signings. Uh, oh, Swoops was out, so they got an additional signing. Um, okay. So they were able to sign also Nakesha Henderson after an open local tryout. Now, they had a high-level... Okay. Sorry, go ahead. So was Henderson part of the local tryout or was she in addition to that? Those three all were from the local tryout. 
So those were all okay. open <laughs> restaurants. So it was the one That's time nice. they were like, no, we're not giving you some, like, you've got to actually go find someone. You we have to can't, go find somebody. We can't keep doing this. Like, just like, guys, don't you think you've had enough? Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So they pick up, uh, Patriot, Patty Joe Hedges Ward and Nikesha Henderson. Um, they had apparently hundreds of people came to this tryout. And they had a high level of talent. They were approved to take on four developmental spots. So these were four players that basically were on the practice squad. They would come in, they would be with the team. They weren't on the roster at the time, but they were able to come in, practice, get you know, get along with the team. Uh, they signed Fran Harris, Yolanda Moore, Tiffany Wolseley, and former Louisiana Lafayette or Southwest Louisiana, depending on the time, however you want to call it college. Louisiana Lafayette point guard, Kim Perrot. Um these are okay okay yeah. so they they signed <laughs> if we're making this comets movie this yeah. is the montage scene i'm most now, excited for is yes. all of these future now, stars watching hundreds of girls try out for this following team following <laughs> an epically competitive team camp chancellor has very much like storyboarded over how crazy this team camp was just how competitive things were in all ends chancellor made an unprecedented call he waves Hedges Ward. He waves Nikesha Henderson in an effort to open spots to sign all four developmental players to the full time awesome. roster. That's amazing. Basically, they all showed up. They balled out. They played tough. And he's like, this is the grit that my roster needs. And to add more to that, uh, he signs Kim Parat to the roster and makes her the unofficial starting point guard. So she's she's not full time starting point guard yet. But she goes from the developmental squad, who, by the way, the day uh, Chancellor has been very open, the day he met Pratt, he didn't want to sign her. He wasn't, um, uh, you know, wasn't as high and as interested on her. As a matter of fact, like there's a video of them meeting and he kept getting her name wrong. And she would like, <laughs> like, he's like, Perot, Perot, it's Perot. Like, it's like the first time they met. He wasn't really in on her game. Um, and basically other coaches, like other a- players were like, she is hustle. Like, let's give her a shot goes from the developmental squad to the starting point guard of the Houston Comets in the inaugural WNBA season. You, you know what that reminds me of is every scene with coach Brooks and Ruzioni and miracle up until the finale where he just yeah. dogs him the whole time. And then is like, yeah, yeah. I knew you had you didn't you, you got the starting <laughs> spot. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just like, like the Jim Craig, just like you ever seen when this game's on, like it's <laughs> it, like the, you can picture it's like, it's a Jerry Bruckheimer film. Like you can picture these four people just like going balls, like just, just straight to the wall as hard as they can working hard, being competitive and him just being like, Oh, that's what I need. All right. Well, let's, <laughs> let's make, let's make room so you guys can join. So uh, I he's, believe he's it not was interested in the best players. He wants the right players. I, yeah. like, I believe, Ooh. I believe hedges word would, would uh, move on to go to another roster and Henderson later stayed on as a developmental talent. Um, I don't know if she got minutes on the full-time roster, but she'd come back. But it just amazes me. Your four developmental players made the roster by the start of the season. Like in a matter of that's a month. That's insane. That's yeah. it. That's that's and from I I know at least Kim Pratt played a pretty like strong role yeah. on the we're, team. We're gonna talk a lot about Kim, uh, especially next episode. You're gonna know nothing about her. about her. She's instantly my favorite part of this story. She really <laughs> is like you're yeah, there's there's a lot to be said about Kim. You'd feel a lot of things. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty intriguing. Um, so this is following camp in June of 97 with the full roster now in place. Um, with all of the happenstantial things that have built this roster into what it is. 
uh, it was time for the Comets to, so to speak, test their mettle. So a home-in-home exhibition was scheduled with the Charlotte Sting. Uh, And the first took place in Houston at Rice University's Autry Court. So they didn't yet get a play uh, at at Lakewood Church for Joel Osteen. They had to play it it Rice first. It was called the Summit. (laughs) I'm kidding. So June 10th, 97 was the first exhibition. It was the first time we ever got to see this team in action against another team. And the Comets naturally came out hot in the first exhibition. That said, struggle on the boards in the second half and a flurry of stealing scores from Charlotte's Andrea Stinson and Cher Manning led to Houston giving up a 15-point lead in the last five minutes of regulation to force what? an overtime. First exhibition, <laughs> they know a 15-point lead. And they go into overtime. Now, I know some about that. Cynthia Cooper, <laughs> who had 21 points in her own right on the night, her shot had gone ice cold. Just things weren't hitting. So even an exhibition of the first exhibition of this history, it already set in motion the question, if the Comets are able to maintain the mental stamina to win games without Cheryl Swoops available. Like, we like the roster, but can we win without Stoops? Like, like stoops swoops sorry um you know if she's out of commission can we make this happen like that like all at once this was becoming like oh no this is coming back to haunt us again now that question quickly got squashed by their number one draft pick you know the Tina one they didn't Thompson. intend on taking in the first place the one that they have instantially just kind of had to pick up that they took because of youth and not so much that it was filling a role they thought they needed tina thompson scored 10 of the comets 15 points in overtime went two oh, for two from distance God. Capped off a game high 23 points and the Comets win 80 to 70 in their first exhibition game. So that's the first that's thing. That's amazing. I'm going to give you a series of quotes about the game. So about Thompson's performance, Cynthia Cooper said she killed him in OT. She played extremely well in OT and quote, she killed them in OT. Coach Chanzo says, quote, Tina Thompson was the difference. Was she ever unbelievable? Tina Thompson, oh, dude, I love asked, I love listening yeah, to old. So, I feel like I'm yeah. experiencing this live. Killed him in OT. Was she ever yeah. unbelievable? Quote from Thompson: I got the ball and made my shots. And <laughs> that's, that's more what I expected from yeah. coach. That's that's a very coachy quote. Like, well, just love, we, just like, we won watch, the game because she scored more points. In watch overtime. modern day and watch later career interviews. Tina Thompson, phenomenally <laughs> smart person. You know, great personality, great disposition, very well spoken. I got the ball and made my shots. <laughs> I just love this, this so sto- the, the story. Just keeps telling itself. You have these people like your 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 star player on the court, completely building you up. Your coach, legitimately marveling over you. At one point uh, in his post career, he said that drafting uh, Tane Thompson was the best decision his franchise ever made. Like I'll, he he I'll speaks to so this person. For, for I got the ball quote, made by shots. That's a much more money quote than before an overtime period saying we want the ball and we're going to score. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that That's not a money quote. That's not something we yeah. like to talk about. Got the ball. I got the ball. And I made, made my shots. shots. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> that's so good. Like the name that I thought of was like that, that honestly just felt like a Damian Lillard quote. Like how did things does. go out there? It, how did you get to it? Like, I got the ball and I made my shots. Like. Yeah. Shot yeah, it and I made it. I don't know what you guys want me to say. Like <laughs> biscuits and gravy. Like biscuits and gravy. Yeah. Like I just love. I just like yeah. That that was amazing. Now, second exhibition took place two days later, June twelfth, uh, in the Charlotte Coliseum. Now, in this game, seemingly the script was flipped. The Comets trailing most of the night, 
And with around seven minutes left, Tammy Jackson scores a layup that puts the Comets ahead for good the rest of the night. They never let that lead go, and they win 74 to 61. Now, through very different identities, Houston came out impressive in both their exhibitions. Obviously, I mean, they won both games. They you know lost a big lead, but they were able to find a way to win it over time. They were able to overcome a lead to to win in their second game. So though through you know it's different identities, but they very much were impressive. Now, after a preseason full of again those perihelion highs, those aphelion lows, the Houston Comets now walk into their inaugural season with much needed momentum. Enough so that owner Les Alexander declares, quote, the Comets are going to be very exciting for people to watch. They're going to be competitive and they will win the inaugural WNBA championship. Oh, close quote. This is before a regular season game is played. The first half of that quote, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty typical. Like, oh, we're very excited to see him play. It's not a boring quote. But they when the man, something about the 90s, they really went for it. Yeah, (laughs) we're going to win. They will (laughs) win. Take that to the championship. So now nothing. They're not holding anything back. It's just 100 percent like. This is this is happening. So this was sports quotes before Twitter. I say we kill Twitter and we get back to this. This is is more. (laughs) So this team goes from finding their star to losing their star for a time to picking up another star to getting the best draft scenario possible to nearly not finding a coach to not getting the person they wanted to draft to drafting another great player. And it all wraps up with their owner declaring to the entire league that this team absolutely is going to win the championship sets the prophecy in place before they've ever played a regular season game. And we will visit the Comets campaign to fulfill that prophecy in part two of the Houston Comets W history series. I am so excited right now. Like, I feel like we just like got this build up, and we're about to like we're about to experience all of like the height of of all of this build up. But I also know that after next episode is just a crash and a burn. And guys, I, I'm also kind of excited for that. Guys, it really like I don't know how to explain to you like the exhaustion that came from this was because it was it was like doing an, a hit workout. Like it's just like all this cool stuff. And then just like, cool down, cool down, cool down. Like there was so much like, and and you'll feel it next episode. And then definitely like the story of, of, you know, really what closes things out is intriguing as well. That's what really makes this so interesting. I mean, again, we talked about right at the very beginning, you have these franchises who, you know, another four other franchises have accomplished what this team was able to accomplish four consecutive championships, three of them, at least two of them are the paramount U.S. franchises in sports for good. Right. The other two are at least mainstays. And to think that the fifth franchise isn't even in, you know, on the table. That's- we have no signs right now saying we're going to see them again, even though every single day I get on our WNBA Nation Twitter account and I see at least one tweet a day about bring back the comments. That is. Oh, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, frequent. it's. It's not it's not something you you don't go hardly a day on WNBA Twitter without someone bringing them up. I, I would How did you not? Well, for sure. I would love for this story to have a part four at some point in the future. Uh, if you get if you get my drift. 
because uh, that would be very interesting. But all we gotta do, guys, the is day that announcement happens, be rich. That's all I'm texting you guys. I'm just texting you guys part four and just get part to like four. <laughs> yeah, we're the, doing the this. question I'm going to ask myself during, I mean, kind of during this episode and, and through the next two is: Would I trade my team's very existence for <laughs> for four straight years of like my team is the dynasty? Mm. It's it's it. This is such a like a would a sports would you rather? That, like would that's you take? A question I don't would you take an four for. straight years of championships and then never be willing to also again. like never if, get to see him again? If 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 Damian Lillard brought Portland like the highest amount of prosperity you can have in NBA basketball for four straight seasons, and then within the decade they were no more, they moved cities or something. Like would I would I take that? I don't know. <sighs> That's or, a tough call. Or risk never seeing them win at all. I don't know. That's just my reality in all of sports fandom. It's just none of my teams ever win. So <laughs> it's not, I don't know. I might if, sacrifice one of them to get if, some championships. If Kentucky, <laughs> if Kentucky were to win four straight, but then be like hit with violations in a couple years and never have another basketball team, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I'll say like <laughs> as, as, a, as a Dodger fan who's – Never seen this team win a World Series after what happened in 2017, 2018. If, yeah, if I, the can't, Dodgers, I can't immediately turn that out. Like, if the what? Dodgers won four straight World Series and then moved back to Brooklyn within the decade, is that enough <laughs> to like fill the hole in your Dodgers heart? I it's. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to make me an Angels fan. I'll tell you that much. Like, it's. <laughs> oh, man, it's. It really is an interesting case, and and that's to me what makes this like insanely intriguing. Is it's you there? It there is no way you could possibly ever tell the story of the WNBA without the comets being a main character. I mean, this is like this is like killing off your protagonist halfway into the series. <laughs> yeah, it like, very much feels like a season two death. That you're like, wait a second. Yeah. It really, yeah. Hold on. Like, this Who's going to be the main player now? Yeah. yeah. It really is like this isn't like oh you can't tell the story without no like legitimately they are the story <laughs> and then, you know and that's that's what's insane and, that, and that's why I you know diving into this was so intriguing to me and like we said we're going to learn about this part two we're going to be diving into that that perihelion rise. And we'll talk about the Aphelion fall in part three in our Chronicle of the Houston Comets. Um, so, so that's really everything. Um, uh, Kyle, you want to let everyone know where they can find us? Absolutely, guys. If you have enjoyed this edition of W History, uh, make sure that you uh, like and well, not like. That was like a YouTube deal. Uh, subscribe like to subscribe. our show. <laughs> like and subscribe. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you happen to be listening. Yeah. If you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, go click ahead on and the annotation hit. in the corner. Also, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ring the bell. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, give us a five star rating if you're on Apple, uh, if you're on Apple podcasts. Uh, also, you can find us on Twitter at WNBA Nation pod. Uh, we're, we're most active on there. We do have a Facebook page as well that from time to time we do have some interactions on the, on there. Uh, we'd love to see more of you uh, also joining us on Facebook. Uh, we're trying to ramp up the activity on that side of things as well. Um, if you are looking to uh, 
help out and help us produce the show. This is coming out of our own pockets, uh, outside of our amazing patrons who are helping us with our monthly costs. If you want to help us out with producing the show, all of the funds from Patreon, our Patreon page, go to, um, Go toward the actual production of the show. It doesn't go to line our pockets or anything. Um, but you can check us out on Patreon, uh, just under WNBA Nation. Uh, and also check out our merch, WNBANation.StoreEnvy.com. That's Store Envy just with one E. Um, and uh, the proceeds from several of the products there on the Store Envy page do go toward purchasing tickets for people who have not had an opportunity to see a WNBA game. That's how we got hooked onto this uh, several years ago. And, uh, and we want to provide that same opportunity for as many people as possible. So if you're looking for a way to give back and help people get to more WNBA games, check out our store MV page. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that about hits the, the whole gauntlet there. Doesn't it? Fantastic. No, thank you. That's perfect. Now, Kyle, where can we find you on, on the internet? Yeah, hit me up on Twitter at Haywood underscore Kyle. Uh, you can find uh, you can find me pretty easily there. Uh, go, honestly, go to our Twitter page and 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 hit us up. Uh, you, you'll see us favoriting, liking, retweeting a lot of the of the show feed as well. Love it. Now, just for for plug sake, Logan, where can we find you? Uh, I am at Logan TJ on Twitter. Uh, I'm nowhere else. Don't find me anywhere else. <laughs> Got it. Love you don't want to see me the rest of the places. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on LinkedIn if you really want me to. to <laughs> if you've you got really job opportunities yeah. for an amazing writer. If you're like, I need up. this children's book written, I, I could take a look or something. But yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Logan TJ. I I'm, apologize for a, a half dozen draft tweets for the NFL in the last day or so. But uh, typically that is that is a WNBA space for me. Uh, it's been a very exciting day as a Utah State alum. Uh, as you can probably imagine for uh, for football reasons. But uh, we love interacting with people on, on Twitter. I know I mentioned that I hated it earlier for ruining sports <laughs> quotes, but it's actually really great to, to get to hear from all of you and, and to know that you're enjoying the show. So please do uh, comment, ask questions. Uh, hopefully we'll do another mailbag soon and, and we'll get some Q&As done. and Stuff like that is just, I, I love that about this show. So. Absolutely. Steve? Tell everybody where they can hit you up since you've yeah. done all this amazing research. Tell them where sure. they can hop on and thank you for this. You can find me at S E Schwartzman. No, I won't spell it for you. Um, on, on Twitter, <laughs> you'll, you'll figure me out. It's a picture of me in a vest. Logan took the photo. Actually, it's really nice. Ooh. Uh, you can find me over there on Twitter. You technically find me at the same place over on Instagram. But honestly, I only use Instagram to help my wife win Instagram giveaways. She wins them a lot, but I was going to say, does. boy, does she? She's very yeah. good at it. She's like, <laughs> believe me, many Christmases have been like paid for. Um, she's, she's, yeah, she's really good. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, you can if you want to, but it's, you know, every now and again, there are going to be pictures of my adorable dog and child. Speaking of dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably my end. I apologize for that. That's yeah. <laughs> Is this, I feel like I'm watching like, the last 15 minutes of 101 Dalmatians. Like, yeah. no, it's just two dogs. It's just their bedtime. Uh, and, and this is how they act when they know it's time for everyone to, to stay in and oh, not be loud. So it's just their bedtime. That's a good one. That's the best. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Also want to give a shout out to our editor, Jason snow. You can find him at CJ snow, 1711. Um, definitely give him a rub. He's our editor. He makes a lot of what we do sound fantastic. He also designs a lot of our merch and that looks fantastic. Designed our logo. I think every episode just ends with like Jason snow fan club. 
Um, <laughs> it, we, we're all members. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of one of those. Uh, we'll, we'll have like a Jason Snow, like appreciation episode one time. Uh, and, and it'll be worth it. But yeah. So, so that's where you can find us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this, uh, inaugural episode of W history. Some we, we've been really thinking about doing for a long time. Uh, and we're excited to continue to roll those out. If you have ideas for other W history episodes or series that we can put together, let us know anything you'd like us to chronicle, put some research into. We'd love to get your feedback. You know, we, we love to hear anything we can do to make these programs better for you. Uh, but uh, we're excited to roll this out with part two coming out in a few weeks. Of course, we'll have some other episodes for you as we talk about fallout from the draft when the freaking heck we're going to get to watch basketball again and all that good stuff. But until all of that, thank you so much for listening to WNBA history on behalf of WNBA nation. Until we see you again, I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.